Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. We want to thank our show sponsor, the University of Alaska. You can check them out at empower.alaska.edu. Thank you so much for the University of Alaska for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And I am actually in the beautiful metropolis of Homer, Alaska today, one of my favorite cities. I am looking over Ketchumak Bay. And this this view, to, it doesn't get much better than this, folks. Um, I want to thank everybody who listens, watches, and reads Must Read Alaska. We do this to give you a conservative slice of the news here in Alaska. And if you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, all you got to do is go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side there, there's a little donate button. $5, $10, $100, every little penny helps keep the lights on here. And if you already do that, we want to thank you for doing that. That's very amazing of you to help contribute to Must Read Alaska. Uh, without further ado, we have a very special guest today, former mayor of the city of Fairbanks, uh, former former city council member of the city of Fairbanks. Uh, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show, former mayor Jim Matherly. Well, John, your name sounds too much like John Wick, and I just <laughs> and I and I love the John Wick movies. So I have a I have a soft place in my heart for you and Must Read Alaska. Well, man, I wish I was about as cool as that. I'll take that compliment <laughs> any day of the week. So, Jim, you were on the city council and or mayor for over ten years um, in the city of Fairbanks. Talk to me about some of your kind of most favorite accomplishments or moments you got to have a handful of them is my guess you know i do and, and first of all thanks john for having me on the show and i've read and listened to you know must read for a long time and yeah do support them folks if you're listening uh we need all sides of political discourse and that's what msr does uh, uh mr uh mra excuse me <laughs> there we go <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking of the midnight sun run here in Fairbanks. Anyway, yeah, you know, I was I was elected in 2010 and and I served all the way to 2022. And I was just it's a 12, 12 of the best years of my life. And while I was on the city council, I learned a lot, you know, union contracts, um, road upgrades. Uh, some of the things I thought we accomplished good when I was on the council had to do with the homeless population, um, the opioid crisis, and then what I ended up getting elected mayor in 16, I took it to another level. You know, opioids are, are they infect a few of my family members and that's mm. a, a pretty public message I give up here. Uh, my daughter primarily. And so I, and she was homeless as well. So I took it under my wing to really focus on homelessness and opioids. And what we did, we brought on a housing homeless coordinator for the city that is still in effect today that is working with all the homeless shelters and places and beds to, you know, sleep on. And that's going full speed. It's too bad we have to have that, um, but I'm glad we do. And then I, I was on the governor's opioid task force, brought the message to Fairbanks all the time about, you know, 
opioids are an Alaskan issue and how drugs are tearing apart families and not just here, but out in the villages and the big cities, it reaches everything. Um, so those were two of my two that stand out to me. And there was uh, plenty others, like you said, you know, we worked hard on you know the Polaris building. We tried to bring some economic development to Fairbanks, which is why I, I worked closely with um, those groups uh, while I was leading the city. But it was an amazing 12 years. I really miss it a lot, actually. You had a good run. Yeah, it was a, it was a good run. You know, and, and if you look at, well, I won't mention it, but I, if you look at other stories around the state, maybe about other leaders who have certain issues, I look back with fondness and, and proud pride that I never had some well, of one, one of the things that I think is unique about you is that you also kept kind of your foot into the door of the things that you care about in life, which, you know, you love music, you like doing weddings and those kinds of things. And if somebody were to ever cruise on your Facebook, they would see that you find great joy in performing wedding ceremonies. You've probably done the most wedding ceremonies out of any mayor in the history of Alaska. Well, I'm probably... DJ the most proms and weddings and other events <laughs> than any other mayor. No, you know, when you look at my page, you know, I'm pretty active on, I call it unsocial media much of the time, but quite honestly, you know, it helps all of us. It helps you. It helps me. So I control my own narrative. I'm not down on my page. I'm not really uber political on my page. I share snippets every now and then. Most of the time it's about music and my kids, about the community and that's by design. And then when I was mayor, I monitored every neighborhood Facebook page on purpose. And then I would jump in with answers to things, clarifications, and people would just be amazed at the amount yeah. of reaching out I would do. And it's really paid off for me up here anyway. So um, you you have a new role with the, with the governor and the governor's office. I'm probably going to botch this. So basically you're his kind of representative in Fairbanks. If you you probably speak at meetings and handle tons of questions and interact with the community. Talk to us about your new role with the governor's office. Yeah, no, you didn't botch that at all. You, you pretty much nailed it. I I'm basically mayor without being elected, you know, after, <laughs> I love it. after I left the city, you know, and I ran for that state Senate seat, like many, many others before me, I was Kawasaki, which I say lightly. Kawasaki, I love it. Well, you know, he and I are, are, we're friends, you know, and we had a really good campaign and, and, you know, and I love running for office anyway, but you know, it wasn't my time for the Senate. So I got a call from the governor's chief of staff and said, Hey, you know what, would you mind considering coming on board as the regional director for the interior? You know, Tammy Wilson had done it, but she was doing double duty. You know, she works on OCS a lot. And then she was doing this as well. They hadn't had a full-time one in a couple of years. And they said, you know, you were elected, you know, your city, you know, your community. We just want you immersed in Fairbanks and then keep us up to date on things. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's what I do already without even you asking me to do. Yeah, I'm already doing that. I did that yesterday. <laughs> I just did it uh, a couple hours ago. Yeah. Uh, so my job is exactly how you described. Um, there's some nuances, though, that I, I have to learn to hold back from because I'm not in a decision making role anymore. And that's what I was for years. It's been tough for me to keep my mouth shut. It's been tough for me to not make decisions or anything because my job is to take the governor's message to the interior. That's it. 
And yeah. so I go to I go speak at groups if they really get deep on issues. Sometimes I have to say I will research that or the governor is this. And I can't go too deep, especially while they're being discussed. So I've had to learn how to swim those waters. But I'm, I'm having a ball doing it. And I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Before, when you're a mayor, you you're the boss kind of you could speak on behalf of the city, essentially, and be pretty confident that that you represent the city. And now you have a, a different role where it's probably a little bit of a, a a bigger role. And, you know, I think the governor was perfect in selecting you because um, everybody that I've ever talked to has really enjoyed uh, being around you. And they loved when you were the city of Fairbanks mayor. And so congratulations on your new role. Well, uh, thanks, John, very, very much. I was really flattered to even be asked to serve in this capacity, you know, and, and the beauty of it is I'm still, uh, you know, involved in political life. I'm still involved with the community. And it was almost a seamless thing. I kept my face out there. In fact, some people still message me, hey, Mayor, you know, what's going on over here? It's funny how some people don't read the memo. Yeah. necessarily um and yeah there's I do, people I, that probably still think you're the mayor <laughs> oh yeah it happens all the time well yeah. and that's because i was such a visual mayor so involved yeah and and that was just how i am and the governor knows that and the governor took me aside and said look you know i trust you i trust him i told him i will never embarrass you I will. I don't want to talk out of turn. I want to do the right thing for you and your message and for your administration. It's really important to me that I, I represent well. I represented the city to the best of my ability. And if people didn't like me or disagreed with me, it was political. It was never personal, and that's fine by me because not everyone's going to agree with me politically. Yeah. And so I'm doing the same thing representing Governor Dunleavy and his uh, administration and and Lieutenant Governor Dahlstrom, who's tremendous. And she's a very active, involved lieutenant governor, which I think is great. So tell tell us about some of the things that are important to not only just people in Fairbanks, but the interior now that you represent. What are the what are you hearing on the street? What are the things that are really important to these folks? You know, 30 years from now, I think local elected officials will will hear much of the same concerns. Like I think 20 years from now, on a national level, we'll always hear about you know, the Middle East and all these other things that never seem to go away. In the interior, it's the price of fuel. It's the price of, you know, heating your home. It's uh, the price of gas, electricity. Those are big things. Um, there's some microscopes under education right now in schools. And those kind of stories, as you know, John, ebb and flow with time. You know, it, it, things kind of ramp up and then they get addressed and they kind of ramp down a little bit. So you're seeing that. Uh, opioids and homelessness are still on the radar of uh, many people up here in Fairbanks. Um, I've heard a lot of discussion about ranked choice voting in, you know, just because that's a fairly new concept. And, and people are looking at that on a statewide level. Um, in the interior, I think people are concerned about the cost of heat and the cost of living up here. Um, and, and more recently, uh, you know, the Manchow Mine, the Orhal has garnered a lot of attention exclusively to the interior. Some people concerned, others like, yay, bring on the jobs. So I hear a lot of that as well. And, uh, and, and also one more thing I'll add is, you know, the SNAP benefits and those kinds of things and, and the behind the schedule, the state's been on some of those are 
that's statewide, but also in the interior, but they're catching up, they're doing their best, um, that kind of thing. So there's gonna be folks that listen to this that live in Canada or Australia or the UK, Give paint them a picture of somebody in the interior goes to buy a gallon of gas or a gallon of milk. How expensive is it? Well, when I bought my last gallon of milk, it was four eighty, um, and then I just filled up my gas tank yesterday. It was five oh four. Yeah, yeah, and that's Chevron. You know, I mean, I, I I'm kind of a weird habit guy. I've been I buy pretty much Chevron for everything, but I know there's other gas stations that go down to you know four ten. I get all that. Uh, but me, I, my dad drilled into me, you know, good gas. <laughs> and it's just something I do. Uh, but that's how much you pay for gas. So my whole tank to fill up is, you know, 90 bucks. And that's not cheap, you know. And for those that can afford it and have the resources, it's not quite as difficult. But for folks, you know, who are struggling financially, that's a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, and I pay, you know, eight. $8, I buy a special kind of bread and it's like $8 for a loaf of this bread. But you can do you get buy, it. For, do you buy the Dave's bread? I love Dave's bread. Yeah, yeah you know what? I, I, I go to Costco quite a bit and I'll buy a double loaf of that, put one in the freezer. You know, oh, I try so to, good. yeah, you know, I, it is really good bread and there's good, uh, good variety, but that's some of the prices up here. And, you know, with more natural gas flowing and more other things are hoping to bring prices down. But, you know, every couple of years or every year, you know, different people are elected, you know, and you have stop and starts and stop oh, yeah. and starts and delays on projects. I wish every project could come to full fruition every time you start it. But that's just not the reality of it. And it takes time. It can so, be frustrating. Um, recently, um, I think I saw that you spoke at a, a young entrepreneurs or young professional event. Talk to me a little bit about how important it is for the the, the generation below us or the generation, a couple generations below us to get involved in the politics or get involved in their community even because um, sooner or later, you know, um, we're going to need that next generation to come up. Talk to me a little bit about that. You know, I, I'm really glad you're, you're bringing that up. I had a wonderful time speaking at the, the YPC event, Young Professionals Council. And it's hard for me to believe that I'm addressing younger people. I was that age, you know, and I, I just turned 60 this year. So here I am 60 and I'm talking to folks 20, 25, 30, 35, and I can relay information. So it was kind of weird for me to be in that that role. However, um, the message I was talking about was uh, conflict resolution. And I just said, listen, politics is a incredibly fun thing to be involved in. I told them, don't let the stuff online shape how you feel about politics if if you can. You know, re remember, you're going to hear all the negative stuff. And it's terrible how we're stereotyped politicians. Or and that and there was a guy who sold cars in my class. He said the same thing about you know my profession and realtors and on and on. I just don't live in a world where 51% and higher are bad. I, I go the other route. Just that's my optimism, John. And that's just how I feel about it. So I talked about conflict resolution, sitting down, talking to people face to face. And I told them, we need you to be the next voices for our community. And the message I gave to them more than any other, I said, if you think of politics as a rubber band and you've got way over here on the right that are off the charts, 
and you have way over here on the left that are off the charts. There's plenty on both ends. And all they do is stretch that rubber band and they never, never talk. Either you got to come together and ease the tension on that rubber band or it's going to snap. I told them, I said, more people, the majority of people in the country and here in Alaska and in Fairbanks dwell near the middle. And radical, really radical people don't make good elected officials because they just are so singular in their vision. And you got to open up your blinders. You just don't have a choice, John. Nothing gets done if you're either way over here or way over there. And they just throw rocks. And those of us near the middle, whether you're right or left, we just dodge those rocks. And I saw a lot of nodding heads in the group. And I said, listen, a lot of people don't agree with me politically, but you can come talk to me. But if you shut me down or you get angry with me, uh, and here's what example I gave really quick. I said, you know, if John came to me and said, Mayor, when I was mayor, I said, Mayor, do these five things. And I would really appreciate these five things. And I said, listen, I can't do all five. How about, how about three of them? No, no, no. It's got to be all five or you're going to get recalled and I hate you. And, and it's got to be done it. exactly every five one. Has it got to be done exactly how I want? <laughs> listen, all or nothing, all or nothing is killing political discourse. Yeah, all yeah. or nothing. We got to get away from that and look for ways to work on those two or three things that you want and then work on me for the other two later. Anyway, that was my message to this group. So do you think it's possible to do that, but then stay true to your convictions on kind of, because I think that's where I th think it's hard for folks to process is, well, if I give in, I'm going to be compromising who I am. My guess is that you've been able to do that over the years and still t stay true to who you are as a person. You got to be pliable. And if you're going to make decisions for the mass, if you're making a decision for just yourself, you can be true to everything to the nth degree and not budge. But once you're leading a city or in Governor Dunleavy's case, a state, I'm not going to speak on his behalf, but for me, I had to look at it and be a little pliable. I, I, I could not be totally immovable in everything I was thinking. If you're totally immovable in every way, you're going to have a really hard time getting work done, yeah. right? So I was able to stay close to my convictions. Um, like, here's an example. You know, I voted no on cannabis, and I know the cannabis dealers up here. I told them, I said, I'm going to vote no, and I lost that one, and I'm fine with that. So I worked with them, yeah. and they worked with me, and I visited their stores, and I was real polite. And, you know, they, they're good business people, and, I, and I've come to respect a lot of them, but I still voted no. But I had to change my mode of thinking, at least when I'm working with them. If I ignored them or didn't, you know, think they were valuable, then it would not have been a good relationship. Yeah. And I think another prime example of that for a lot of folks in Alaska is people, a lot of people voted against ranked choice voting. You still got to get off your butt and go vote because if you give up all hope just because something like that happens, man, it's not going to be a recipe for success. And so I, I love the point of you're never going to get everything you want, but it's important that you keep showing up back up to the table and being willing to fight for what you believe in. You cannot stop trying. I, I, I said this at the city. I can't please everyone, but it doesn't mean I can't quit trying. And I, two weeks ago, I spoke to a, a National Honor Society group of kids. And it was on Zoom. And there was like 20 of them. And I just told them the two best things you can do to grow in your life are the two V's that I use this as an example, volunteer 
and vote. If you volunteer your time, take the take the microscope off of you, or or the or, or, you know take the focus off of you and on others, that will reward you. And then don't forget to vote. Mm. Just vote every time. And those are the two V's I leave for every group I talk to, because I do believe in voting. I do believe it helps, and I believe that if you don't vote, then you don't really have a voice. Um, so I don't listen to the naysayers that say it doesn't matter. I believe it does. Yeah. So I will keep hammering that vote and then volunteer. So uh, one of the things that I saw recently in Fairbanks was um, the Polaris building is kind of coming down. I think it's in the early stages of of um, taking it down. Talk to me about what that means for the city of Fairbanks. My guess is hopeful economic development, those kinds of things. But you probably know way more about this than I do. So fill, fill me in. It's a classic building. It's been around for a very long time. Uh, the city took possession of it about three or four years ago. Uh, uh, and uh, because the prior owner wasn't fixing it up, it was becoming more and more dilapidated. There's trees growing off the roof. There's poison inside of it. it it's, it's kind of our high rise, really. It's our biggest building downtown. And it's just in, infested with poison and asbestos and all sorts of chemicals. So you're right. The Polaris building got funding. We worked on funding. The current mayor, actually, after me, David Pruse and his group, the Polaris group, worked on it exclusively. They got $10 million from, uh, from Senator Murkowski's office to help us because we just didn't have the funds to tear it down. It's going to be a $10 million project because you got to take it from the top down, level by level by level. You're really Piece close. At a time. <laughs> you do. You just can't implode that thing because it's so close to other businesses, right? So two weeks ago, I went over there for kind of the ceremonial breaking of it because there's a small annex on the back of the main building. And that's coming down first. In fact, it's coming down now. So I hit it with a sledgehammer, kind of a ceremonial fun thing. And then the main takedown is going to be starting in the fall, September timeframe, take about four months. Now, when I was at the city, my goal was to always take it down, sell it, to the private sector and let them develop it. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think you want government building anything there and running it. I don't think it, it can be that efficient. There's some things the city did well, but I don't think it should try to run a building. And so that was the plan. It'll be up to the new mayor though, and the council to figure out what to do with it after it becomes raw land. That's some prime time real estate though, right? I mean, that's right in the hustle and bustle of Fairbanks. It's the, it's the heart of downtown. The Polaris yeah. was the hub of everything for a very long time. Now, there's been some speculation about, you know, a meeting like a little Denina Center Jr. going in there from Anchorage or but but again, we've had we've had a, a COVID outbreak since then. We've had a pandemic. We've had up and down, you know, economic things. So I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be better to have it cleared and empty for now. And then the city should put it up for auction or sale and let someone develop it their own way. I like that. So what um, my, my next question to you is this, is you, uh, you're a mayor that has literally performed tons of weddings. Um, what is, what's some advice that you give folks that you marry? I'm sure that, you know, these young couples, you know, you have some good conversations with them, some candid conversations with them. You're in a position probably different than most mayors in the whole state where you're, you know, you're getting to speak into people's lives who are at a 
crossing crossroads in their lives in a good way, getting married, and they're looking to the guy that's marrying them for maybe some <laughs> advice. What's some advice that you give folks that's tried and true um, as you're, you know, sending folks off to experience a great married life? It's a it's going to be a cliche answer, but that's what I'm going to give you. Just just for the sake of knowing my numbers, I've done this for 40 years now in Fairbanks. It's my 40th year DJing gigs. I've done over 3,500 weddings and receptions. Wow! And then and then I've done individual, you know, just quick officiatings hundreds of times. And I I always add my little flair to it. I say just don't forget to laugh together. Laugh every day, laugh at each other, doesn't matter, laugh with each other, don't go to bed mad. And and uh, because you're not going to eliminate problems, you know, but instead of a level eight problems, just try to break it down to a two if you can, you know, because you can't eliminate everything. But just remember to laugh all the time, kiss every day, at least once, say good morning, say hello, and don't go to bed angry. And I kind of use those as a little guiding principle, you know. Um, I also think God's love will help you get through anything. And I, and I think people, I think couples should pray together and attend church together. Those are my beliefs. Of course, a lot of people aren't built that way. That's fine. Just at least laughing is universal. So everyone can agree on yeah, everybody can agree on that one. Watch some Seinfeld and just laugh together and, and treat each other as good friends and your most important person in your life. And that's kind of what I tell people. And, you know, I love doing it. It's a lot of fun for me. That's awesome. So 20 minutes has gone by in a flash. Any last minute thoughts before we head off here? We live in the greatest state, in the greatest country in the world. And don't let the online people tell you any differently. You know, uh, America as a whole, I'll just leave you with this. You know, I learned this a long time ago. You know, people knock America a lot, John. I say, look, America's made mistakes, but America itself is not a mistake. The way it was founded, the way it was uh, uh, presented, we're a very young country, we're a very young state. Let's just keep working together and not fight about it. Let's sit down in the same room, talk it out. Don't be on opposite ends so far that nothing gets done. Unless we come together and talk, nothing gets accomplished. So let's make friends the way little toddlers do. Let's just instantly get along and work together for the same goal. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, former mayor Jim Matherly. Um, I really, really appreciate it. We wish you nothing but success. You are the perfect guy for the job up there in Fairbanks. We also want to thank our show sponsor, the University of Alaska. You can go check them out in empower.alaska.edu for more information. Thank you so much, University of Alaska, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. We really, really appreciate it. And until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks.